Hey everybody, it's Jake Heller back again for another episode of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Hope everybody is having an awesome weekend. So we've got a lot to cover on today's show as usual. Recapping Chase Elliott's win on Sunday at Road America. What an awesome, awesome racetrack. And turned out to be a pretty great race in my opinion. So going to be recapping that. Going to be talking about Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s comments this past Tuesday on the Dale Jr. Download, what he liked and didn't like about Road America. And it's kind of funny with Dale Earnhardt Jr., for someone in his 17-year career of being a race car driver, he didn't really care for road courses. But now, over the last three years, as a broadcaster, he seems to be enjoying them. It's funny how it all comes around. So, going to be recapping all of that from Road America and previewing this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which was in the news on Tuesday afternoon. I mean, here we were thinking that, you know, they're saying that there's going to be this big, big announcement for Atlanta Motor Speedway, and so many people on Twitter, myself included, were thinking, like, man, man, wouldn't it be cool if they reconfigured Atlanta back to the old configuration when it was a true oval it honestly looked like the original homestead miami speedway when you think of it especially how it's shaped like an oval and of course the high high banking that they have in those corners the different grooves that you could run it's always fun looking at old races of atlanta motor speedway before it was reconfigured in 1997 to the current condition that it is now with the dog leg on the front stretch which used to be the back stretch at atlanta and vice versa But no, the announcement pertaining to Atlanta Motor Speedway was Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, which is owned by Bruton Smith and his son Marcus. They also own Charlotte Motor Speedway, Bristol, Sonoma, Las Vegas, Texas Motor Speedway. The announcement was this. Speedway Motorsports to create next generation Atlanta Motor Speedway with historic track reprofile. So here's the announcement. Following the July 11th Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart, Atlanta Motor Speedway will break ground on a historic project to create the next generation of Atlanta Motor Speedway and a first-of-its-kind all-new race experience in 2022. Following 10 months of confidential research, development, testing, and simulation with engineers and iRacing, the reprofile will increase the current 24-degree banking in Atlanta's turns to 28 degrees, higher than any other intermediate track on the current NASCAR circuit. Straightaway banking will remain 5 degrees. In addition to the new high banks, the racing surface will become narrower, with an overall decrease in width from 55 feet to 40. New widths will be 52 feet on the front stretch, 42 feet on the back stretch, and 40 feet in the turns. The project will pave the way for a bold new era of NASCAR racing in Atlanta. Marcus Smith said, As Atlanta's racing surface has aged, we've challenged ourselves to reimagine what NASCAR racing at an intermediate track can be. With high banks in the turns, narrower width, and new pavement technology, Atlanta will be unlike any other mile-and-a-half track on the circuit. It's all new for 2022, and this will be specifically designed for close competitive racing. The reconfiguration of Atlanta Motor Speedway is the latest innovative first from Speedway Motorsports, 
which has repeatedly redefined what's possible in NASCAR. From the debut of the Rovolt Charlotte Motor Speedway to the first NASCAR Cup Series race held on dirt since 1970 at Bristol Motor Speedway, and NASCAR's first trip to Circuit of the Americas earlier this year, Speedway Motorsports has been a driving force behind many of NASCAR's most highly anticipated events. Construction is slated to begin the week following the July 11th Quaker State 400 with the next generation Atlanta Motor Speedway making its debut in 2022 in conjunction with NASCAR's next-gen car. So the way I look at it is Atlanta Motor Speedway, it is an awesome racetrack. Like I said, mile and a half, the dogleg configuration on the front straightaway, and all of the amazing battles and moments that we have had on that configuration, whether it was Dale Earnhardt in 2000 beating Bobby Labonte by one one-hundredth of a second, whether it was the following year with Kevin Harvick, six one-thousandths of a second just three weeks after Dale's death, beating Jeff Gordon by six one-thousandths of a second. And, of course, you have other, other great moments like Jimmy Johnson getting passed at the last corner by Carl Edwards in 2005, and then finishing second to his mentor, Jeff Gordon, in 2011. The problem I have with this reprofiling, if you want to call it that, is Atlanta Motor Speedway and Speedway Motorsports, they did not consult with any of the drivers whatsoever about this new reprofiling. And to me, I think that just shows the disconnect in NASCAR right now between the sanctioning body and the drivers. I know that Tony Stewart, he did an interview with Kyle Petty not too long ago. And he talked about this was around 2015 or 2016, right about the time that Tony was getting ready to retire from his driving career in NASCAR. And he said himself and several of the high-profile drivers, they went to NASCAR and they came up with some new and fresh ideas to make this sport even better. And Tony said that the guy that he told this to, sure enough, not even, never driven a race car, never worked on a race car. And basically his response was something to the effect of this, that (laughs) Tony Stewart said a group of 20 drivers went to NASCAR about five years ago lobbying for things they believed will make the sport better. This is from Matt Weaver on Twitter. A person in NASCAR told him they were 180 degrees backwards, and it was in that moment that Tony realized we're in bad shape and we're in trouble. And folks, we definitely are. As much of an uptick that NASCAR is on right now, all the new teams that are coming in, new fans that are coming in, new racetracks, This is the problem, that we do not have a voice of sound and reason in the garage area that's going to put up a fight against NASCAR and say, you're out of your freaking mind, we shouldn't do this. And you guys know that, in my opinion, and the opinion of many, many people that watch the sport, love the sport, and study it from top to bottom, that voice in that garage area was lost on February 18, 2001. When Dale Earnhardt Sr. spoke, NASCAR listened. If he told them that this was a dumbass idea that they had, they would scrap it. And we have not had that in our sport for 20 years now, and I don't think we ever will again. 
And I know a lot of people, you know, they, they talked about how after Dale was killed, how they were hoping that Jeff Gordon was going to be the voice of the garage area, just like Dale Earnhardt was. And I think to some degree, I think people were probably hoping that Tony Stewart was going to be that voice in that garage area, but it just didn't have that pull and that power that Dale Earnhardt did. And this is just the latest example. And Denny Hamlin, on Tuesday, Denny took to Twitter and was very, very vocal about this whole situation with Atlanta Motor Speedway. And Denny said, with all due respect, this same group has reconfigured Texas, Kentucky, Bristol, with zero driver input. One of those lost a race, Kentucky Speedway. One other, we don't race, excuse me, one other, we don't race that anymore, that's Kentucky. One of them lost a race, that was Texas. And the last one, we put dirt over it, talking about Bristol. But hey, what do the drivers know? And Denny had the eye-rolling emoji. And that's what I love about Denny Hamlin now, in the twilight of his career, I guess you could say, being, being 40 years old. I love how Denny is not afraid to make his opinion known, whether it's on social media or talking to the media, period. And I totally agree with Denny Hamlin, 100%. So when they reconfigured Texas Motor Speedway, the track has just been awful ever since. And now, this year, they lost one of their cup races. It went to Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, and what a disaster of a race that was. Kentucky Speedway, it's no longer on the schedule. This weekend, the Quaker State 400 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, that was Kentucky's race. They were another SMI track. They're gone. And now Bristol, Bristol on dirt. How much of a disaster was that back in March? The drivers couldn't even see towards the end of the race, even when they tried doing the heat races for the truck race on Saturday. And Kevin Harvick being his windshield being completely covered in mud. And that's the other thing, too. I love how Kevin Harvick, I was going to say Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, I think those three, those three drivers, I think are the most outspoken in the garage. But that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And I wish that NASCAR would listen to them. The latest example of it was the when they came out with the stupid 550 horsepower high downforce package. And Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch, for as much as they dislike each other, they both said it at that test session at Vegas back in January of 2019 that this was going to make the racing even worse. And like Brad said, this package, the 550 horsepower high downforce package, it takes it out of the driver's hands. The driver cannot make a difference. It's like slot cars. Like I talked about many times on the show before, when Brad was qualifying at Texas Motor Speedway in 2019, and he was wide open through turns one and two. Wide open through turns one and two at Texas Motor Speedway, a mile and a half track. It should not be like that. So, like I said, just more, more and more examples of NASCAR management, if you want to call it that, and the drivers just being completely disconnected right now. It's nothing, I mean, nothing like it was in the past. Obviously, when you had guys like a Dale Earnhardt, like a Rusty Wallace, like a Daryl Waltrip, that would go to NASCAR and tell them, you shouldn't be doing this. And I think Kyle Larson said it best. And we know, 
we know how Atlanta, how it has that dirt track feel to it. And how Kyle dominated that race in March before being held up by Joey Logano and enabling Joey's teammate Ryan Blaney to capitalize and to score the win. And Kyle said that, you know, this is just the latest example of, you know, you're, you're narrowing the track. You're narrowing the track. You're going to repave it. And when you repave it, like Rodney Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief, was talking about, when you repave a track, it's awful. It's a one-groove racetrack for, for quite a while. You can't pass anyone. It takes so many years, and in Atlanta's case, so many hot summers for you to finally get those upper grooves worked in again, whether it's the middle, whether it's the top of the racetrack, like, like Kyle Larson. Like We're definitely going to see him tomorrow at Atlanta. He's going to be running right up against the fence, lap after lap after lap. And Kyle Larson said, like, this is just the latest example. NASCAR is not listening to the drivers. They're listening to the fans. They're catering to the fans. What, what do the fans want? And like Kyle Larson said, let's face it, majority, majority of NASCAR fans, they want to see crashes, plain and simple. And obviously, when you narrow the track and you repave it, one of the fastest racetracks on the schedule we go to, there's going to be tons of carnage at Atlanta Motor Speedway next year. You can bet on that. And like I said, Rodney Childers, Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick up until this year at Atlanta Motor Speedway, deadly, and I mean deadly duo that they have always been. Rodney Childers said that it's, it's going to ruin the racing at Atlanta. And I know the racing at Atlanta, I know that it hasn't really been all that great over the past few years. And did it need a repave? Yeah, it definitely needed a repave. I mean, we're talking 1997, this asphalt that they're going to race on one more time tomorrow. But Listen to the drivers. Don't cater to the fans. And this is what we've had for the last few years now. And obviously, you have so much star power in that garage area as far as drivers go that are now retired, whether it's Tony Stewart, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon. We, nobody really has that say or that pull in that garage area to make NASCAR think twice. So, this past Sunday, the 4th of July, Road America, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, about an hour from Milwaukee. And we had qualifying on Sunday morning, and in qualifying, we had some big names that didn't make it out onto the track in time to put a lap down. And one of them was not only our defending Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott, but also the guy that's dominated road courses for the last three years. So Chase was starting all the way back in 34th, and some other notables that didn't make it out on time to get a lap, Chase Briscoe, 35th, Austin Dillon, 37th, and you figured, well, Austin sucks at road courses, so his day's shot. And, of course, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch wrecked on Saturday in final practice. He went to a backup car, and that was a smart Smart move by Ben Bayshore, his crew chief, to not send him out there for for a qualifying lap. Kyle started dead last, but he knew the way that Road America is with tires, how it chews up the tires that quick. Less laps on the tires, that would enable Kyle to pass people. So William Byron won the pole. His teammate Kyle Larson was second. And just a little after 2.30, for the first time in 65 years, the NASCAR Cup Series was racing at Road America. And William Byron did a phenomenal job leading early on. But obviously, Kyle Larson, 
the dominant driver of the year, the guy that won the previous road course race out at Sonoma. I remember going into the weekend how Brad Keselowski said that the toughest corner in Road America, in his opinion, was turn five. You're on this long, long back straightaway, and then this heavy, heavy breaking into this tight left-hand corner at Road America before you head up the hill, up to the the Corvette Bridge and sweeping left-hand corner. That's what Brad said days in advance of Road America. And Kyle Larson absolutely dive-bombed William Byron going into that corner, but obviously carried way, way too much speed and went off the track, and William Byron was able to keep the lead. Now, the one thing about Road America and about road courses in general that we always see are guys pitting before the end of a stage. And latest example was Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Matt Benedetto, Austin Sindrick. Obviously, Austin, it didn't matter to him. You know, he's running for Xfinity. I mean, here he is in Cup, you know, just trying to make laps and get experience. So sure enough, all these guys pit. And the other thing was... Four laps into the race, Daniel Suarez's transmission breaks, just like it did at Circuit of the Americas. Ryan Priest, what a horrible weekend for him. Wrecked right at the beginning of practice on Saturday and then broke an engine six laps on Sunday. But lap 13, after all these guys make their pit stops, Kyle Tilley, driving the 78 for BJ McLeod, he goes off into the gravel trap and gets stuck. And William Byron had not made his pit stop yet, so sure enough, he went on to win the first stage. The problem... Now, this is what Dale Earnhardt Jr. talked about. Dale Earnhardt Jr. said that while it was a good race, the problem he has with road courses, and especially Road America, being a four-mile road course, cautions take forever. caution laps take forever at Road America. You know, under green, you're talking one lap around Road America in a NASCAR Cup Series car. I would say probably just a little over two minutes long when you think of it. I mean, looking back on William Byron, when William Byron, his pole winning time, 132 seconds. So yeah, two minutes, 12 seconds. Under caution at Road America, one lap at Road America under caution takes about six minutes, probably even longer. And so Dale Earnhardt Jr., he talked about how if he was in charge of NASCAR, the one thing that he would do would be if you're going to keep the stages, keep it under green. Keep the race under green. Just say, hey, points are going to be awarded on this particular lap, but we're not going to throw the caution flag. And a lot of people talked about ever since stage racing began in 2017, if there's one particular type of racetrack where stage racing has sort of killed the racing, it's definitely been road courses. I mean, think about it. Sonoma, for instance. Sonoma, before we had stage racing, Sonoma was just absolutely amazing. But ever since we had stage racing, you had guys you know, pitting, pitting before the end of stages and long caution laps and everything. Sonoma, honestly, has been a snooze fest the last three years. So... And I know they didn't race there in 2020 because of COVID, but that's the thing. These caution laps, like, like Jason Boone always talks about, you know, he hates stage racing to begin with, but the caution laps is what, what kills it. And especially, you know, that, that's the other thing, like when you're on, 
when you're on a short track, for instance, like a Martinsville, a Richmond, a Bristol, you're, you're pissing away 10, 12 laps under caution. So I think, well, I know in Boone's case, I know that he would definitely love to get rid of the stages, period. So when we went back to green, Martin Trex Jr., Austin Sendrick, Matt Benedetto, Kyle Busch, all taking turns at the lead, and Austin Sendrick looking like he had a chance to score his first cup win. We know how good he is on road courses. But even Johnny Glow's boy, Matt Benedetto, Matt and his new crew chief, Jonathan Hassler, that was a brilliant, brilliant strategy that they had to pit before the end of the stage, get that track position. And Matt Benedetto led 10 laps on Sunday. And I know 10 laps might not seem like a lot, but obviously Road America being a four-mile road course, he led for quite a while. But himself and Kyle Busch taking turns at the lead. And then with Austin Sendrick, while he was up there battling for the lead, all of a sudden he felt like something broke on the car. He felt like something broke on the car. He spun off in this one corner. Sure enough, he, he felt like it was the left rear shaft that broke. It was a rear gear. And 27 laps in, his day was done. But once again, playing the track position game, Kyle Busch, Martin Trex Jr., Matt Benedetto. They stuck to that strategy that they were going to pit before the end of the stage. And Brad Keselowski, oh, man, what a, what a weekend he had. Spun out on pract- during practice on Saturday, qualified 20th, and then spun out again on Sunday. And he didn't even – nobody hit him or anything. Just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. said, for whatever reason, Brad Keselowski, Jeremy Bones, and the two crew, they have struggled on road courses so far this year, like the Daytona road course – Daytona road course, as much as I love Brad, that race, it was, it was like he hit everything but the pace car out there. And somehow, some way, even with Kurt Busch spinning him out and dropping him all the way to dead last in 38th, he finished 5th. But Circuit of the Americas, they were junk all weekend. They were slow all weekend. Of course, that's when all the, the news came out that Brad's going to be leaving and going to Roush. What a coincidence. I mean, he finished 19th at Circuit of the Americas, but he had a top 5 car at Sonoma, and the pit crew went over the wall too soon. And sure enough, the pit crew jumped over the wall too soon on Sunday. Got him another penalty right at the end of the first stage. And I'm thinking, what else is new with, with this team this year? So, anyway, all of them pit. Tyler Reddick goes on to win the stage. But, turning point, Martin Shrex Jr. gets nabbed for speeding on pit road. So that pretty much killed his chances right then and there. So we go back to green, and it's another battle. Matt Benedetto, Kyle Busch. But I'll tell you what, Chase Elliott made it known early on, even starting all the way back in 34th, that he was still going to be the guy to beat. I mean, he drove all the way up from 34th to 14th just in a couple laps. And that was impressive. And he did finish 10th in the first stage. Alan Gustafson pitted him before the end of the second stage. And once Chase Elliott asserted himself at the front of the field, you pretty much had that feeling like it was game over. But the struggle, like I said, the struggles all around for Team Penske over the weekend. Joey Logano didn't run worth a crap all weekend, finishing 15th. Ryan Blaney, obviously, with the news of his crew chief, Todd Gordon, retiring. Ryan had a decent car, but not a great car. Runs into the back of someone and caves the, the, the front hood in. 
and the costume worked out perfect. Todd Gordon brought him down pit road. They're fixing the damage, and Anthony Alfredo, the left rear brake rotor, blows out, and he spins off into the gravel in turn one. But Eric Almarola, Ryan Blaney, even though they stayed out, sure enough, it wouldn't be enough. We go back to green and with 16 laps to go. Chase Elliott passed both of them and checked out on the field for the win at Road America. His second win of 2021 and the 13th of his career, tying him with the late Tim Richmond. And obviously we know with Tim Richmond, those 13 wins, nine of them came with Hendrick Motorsports. And Chase... Speaking of Hendrick Motorsports, Chase is now the third winningest Hendrick driver of all time. Obviously, Jeff Gordon right at the top with 93 wins. Jimmy Johnson had 83, but going into Sunday, Chase Elliott was tied with Texas Terry Labonte for 12 wins at Hendrick Motorsports. Obviously, he broke that tie. So Chase Elliott, the winner at Road America. Christopher Bell, amazing job finishing second. Him, Adam Stevens, and that 20 team, they needed that badly. Adam's former driver, Kyle Busch, from dead last to third. Big brother, Kurt, was fourth. Denny Hamlin, fifth, after Denny went off into the gravel trap early on. Thankfully, no damage and didn't get stuck. Chase Briscoe, overcoming a penalty early on, overcoming not being able to qualify, tying the best finish of his career, sixth, just like he did at Circuit of the Americas. Ross Chastain, the momentum continues. He finished seventh, obviously. A lot of uncertainty with his future now. With Chip Ganassi selling his team to Trackhouse and Justin Marks. Stage 2 winner, Tyler Reddick was 8th. Martin Trex Jr. ninth, And Matt DiBenedetto 10th. Austin Dillon 11th. I gotta commend him. Obviously we know road courses are not his cup of tea to finish 11th. Hell of a job. Especially after starting 37th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He started 38th and was able to finish 12th. Brad Keselowski 13th overall. Decent day. But not a great day. To finish 13th, like I said, overcoming the crew jumping over the wall too soon, spinning out by himself. I think definitely a respectable finish for, for Brad Keselowski, Jeremy Bullins, and the two crew. Eric Almarola was 14th. Joey Logano, 15th. And that's it. And Kyle Larson, who I had picked to win 16th. And Kyle was on his way to another top five finish. And his teammate, Alex Bowman, going off into turn five once again. Alex's brakes were shot. He, there was no way he was going to make the corner. The only way he made that corner was running into Kyle Larson, and he spun him out. And I'm not saying that Alex did it on purpose, but sure enough, he came over the radio, and he told Greg Ives that he had no brakes. And obviously, he felt horrible running into his teammate and costing him a top-five finish, but obviously, it seems like Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman, it seems like they're good friends. You know, Alex walked up to him on pit road after the race was over, said, I'm sorry. The two of them laughed it off, and that was it. And that's good. That is good for Hendrick Motorsports and good in general when you have two teammates run into each other. But at the end of the day, one of them mans up and says, I'm sorry. And it's like, hey, don't worry about it. Let's move on. Unlike Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski. Just saying. Cole Custer, 17th. Chris Buescher, 18th. Eric Jones, 19th. Ryan Blaney with all that damage, 20th. Corey LaJoy, been on a bit of a run lately. Spun out, 21st. Alex Bowman, 22nd. Greg Ives had him come down pit road not too long after that. Josh Balicki, Wisconsin's Josh Balicki, 23rd in Rick Ware's 52 car. That's a hell of a job right there. Bubba Wallace, 23rd or 24th. Not a good weekend for him. 
Justin Moneymaker Haley in 25th. Ty Dillon, 26th. But I want to talk about a horrible weekend. Kevin Harvick finished 27th. 27th. This is the same team that himself, Rodney Childers, and the four team, same team that won nine races last year, but 27th. After qualifying 25th, obviously not a good weekend. Not a good year for Kevin Harvick in that four team. Especially after Kevin finished 6th in the Xfinity race on Saturday at Road America. James Davison, 28th. A.J. Allmendinger, 29th. And A.J. was looking great early on. He qualified 3rd. He finished 2nd in the first stage. Ran into some trouble. Just like Michael McDowell, our Daytona 500 champion in 30th. Cody Ware, 31st. Ryan Newman, 32nd. William Byron. William Byron, once again, turn five, went way, way deep in, in the turn five. Didn't want to get stuck in the gravel, sort of spun himself out and finished all the way back in the 33rd. Quinn Huff, 34th. Kyle Tilley, 35th. Daniel Suarez, 36th. And out of the race, Anthony Alfredo with brake issues, 37th. Austin Sendrick and Ryan Eversley making his cup debut, 38th and 39th. Rear gear, rear gear issues. And Ryan Priest ran out the field after only six laps on the day with a blown engine in 40th. So, later today at Atlanta Motor Speedway, 3.30 on NBCSN, this could be the end of an era in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Now, last weekend at Road America, Kyle Busch, to no surprise, won the race. Four for four in Xfinity this year. Circuit of the Americas in May, and then in June, Texas Motor Speedway, Nashville Super Speedway, and sure enough, Nashville was the 100th Xfinity win for Kyle Busch. And I know people give him so much crap over the years, saying, oh, why are you running Xfinity? Why are you running Xfinity? Why are you running trucks? Well, let's face it, folks. I mean, Kyle loves to race. He's a perfectionist. But at the same time, this is all sponsor-driven. All right, if you're, I was going to say, the Mars brand, whether it's been Skittles, whether it was Twix, M&M's, M&M's ice cream last weekend, and extra gum today, if you're Mars Incorporated, you're going to want Kyle Busch driving your car, not Daniel Hemrick, not Brandon Jones, not Harrison Burton, because you know that he's going to give you a good chance to win. Just like Hellman's and Dale Earnhardt Jr., Hellman's before Dale retired and after they wanted him in their race car. And I mean, they do sponsor Justin Allgaier, but obviously it's, you want a cup guy behind the wheel. Same thing with discount tire. I mean, look at how long they sponsored Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano before handing the car off to Austin Sendrick. So this is all sponsor driven. But anyway, so back in 2017, when Kyle Busch scored the 90th Xfinity win of his career at New Hampshire, he said that once he would get to 100 NASCAR Xfinity Series wins, that he would, quote-unquote, retire from NASCAR Xfinity Series racing. Well, sure enough, 100 in Nashville, 101 at Road America, and when you're a cup driver, you're only allowed five starts in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series per year. Well, today is number five, and today could possibly be his final Xfinity race. Now, he did leave the door open a little bit. He did say that, you know, next year, 
if Joe Gibbs wants him to run an Xfinity race or two, maybe just to evaluate their equipment, or if, God forbid, one of their drivers gets hurt or sick, then obviously that, that's a different story. And, you know, he was kind of going back and forth when he went to Texas saying, like, oh, you know, like, we, we might have some sponsorship inventory for me to run an Xfinity car in 2022, but the last two Xfinity wins at Nashville and Road America, he's basically saying that he's done. So sure enough, today at Atlanta Motor Speedway, the credit karma money 250, 330 on NBCSN, 163 laps, stage one, lap 40, stage two, lap 80. Sure enough, Kyle Busch is on the pole for what could be the final Xfinity race of his career. Starting second is his teammate, Daniel Hemrick, and of course, to no surprise, Kyle has two Xfinity wins at Atlanta, 2016 and 2017. Starting third is A.J. Allmendinger, who won at Atlanta last year. Fourth is Austin Sendrick. Fifth, Harrison Burton. And sixth is Michael Annette. Seventh is Justin Moneymaker Haley. Eighth is Justin Allgaier, who won at Atlanta back in March, beating Martin Trex Jr. Martin's first Xfinity start in 11 years. Kyle was supposed to run that race. But he was up at Bristol doing the Bristol Dirt Nationals getting ready for that race. So him and Martin, they sort of swapped their races. Originally, Martin Trex Jr. was supposed to be in the 54 car for this race. Starting ninth is Noah Gregson, and rounding out the top 10 is Riley Herbst. 11th, Jeb Burton. 12th is Brandon Brown. 13th, Brandon Jones. 14th is Tommy Joe Martins. 15th, Myatt Snyder. 16th, Ryan Sieg. Alex LeBay in 17th, Josh Williams 18th, Jeremy Clements 19th, and Brett Moffat in 20th. 21st is Lana Castle, 22nd is Sam Mayer, the third Xfinity start of his career. Had a horrendous wreck at Road America last week, but thankfully it was okay. Even got to be the Grand Marshal for the Cup race. How about that, being from Wisconsin? Mason Massey, Matt Mills, Santino Ferrucci, Carson Ware, Jade Buford, Josh Berry starting 28th in Jordan Anderson's 31 car. And he did a hell of a job last night at the truck race in Knoxville. I mean, as, as crazy as that race was, 14 caution flags. And you had renowned dirt racers like Sheldon Creator, defending truck champion, like Donnie Schatz, 10-time World of Outlaws champion, basically saying that NASCAR shouldn't be racing on dirt. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s cousin, Danny Earnhardt Jr., who's the car chief on the number eight Xfinity car with Sam Mayer, he was saying the same thing in his mind that NASCAR doesn't belong on dirt. And it took four overtimes, four overtimes for Austin Hill to get the win. And obviously we know Austin Hill is not one of the top-notch dirt racers there is. But Ronnie Bassett Jr., 29th, Ty Dillon in 30th. Jesse Little, 31st, Ryan Vargas in 32nd, Joe Graff Jr., 33rd, C.J. McLaughlin, David Starr, Colby Howard, 37th is Jeffrey Earnhardt, whose grandfather won nine times at Atlanta Motor Speedway. His uncle, Dale Earnhardt Jr., won there in March of 2004. And his father, Kerry, got an ARCA win at Atlanta in November of 2001. And Jeffrey, two years ago, when he was doing some races in the 18 Xfinity car, for Joe Gibbs Racing, Jeffrey was running second with just a couple laps to go to his teammate Christopher Bell, but got a bad restart and had to sell for sixth. Kyle Weatherman in 38th, Bailey Curry 39th, and rounding out the field of 40 is Gray Galding. So obviously with today's Xfinity race, even with Justin Allgaier winning there in March, AJ Allmendinger winning there last year, let's face it, like I've said before, unless something 
brakes on Kyle Busch's car unless he gets in a wreck, spins out, blows up, tires blow out. Unless one of those things happens, happens, he's going to win this race. And obviously, talk about a walk-off if this ends up being the final Xfinity race of his career. I mean, we've seen this movie before. Mark Martin, who was the original Kyle Busch of the Busch series back then, you know, he said that at the end of 2000 that he was going to retire from Busch racing. And by 2004, he was running Busch races for Jack Roush again. And then over the years, ran Busch races for Rick Hendrick, Junior Motorsports, Turner Scott Motorsports, you name it. So, yeah, easily going with Kyle Busch for today's Xfinity race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And tomorrow, the Quaker State 400, 3.30 on NBCSN, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Steve Letarte, who went to Victory Lane a few times at Atlanta with Jeff Gordon, but as a crew member, and Jeff Burton, who has two Bush Series wins at Atlanta Motor Speedway, along with Rick Allen. They will be providing the call, 3.30 on NBCSN. There is a possibility of some thunderstorms early in the afternoon, but thankfully, Atlanta has lights, and also, also, like I said, the forecast looks great the rest of the afternoon and evening. So, 260 laps compared to the usual 325 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and we know those 500 milers at Atlanta Motor Speedway, they are in eternity. So, stage one, lap 80, stage two, Lap 160. And sure enough, on the pole, from Dawsonville, Georgia, Chase Elliott, whose father, Bill, is the only Georgia-born driver to win at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Bill won there five times at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Chase's best finish at Atlanta in a cup car was third all the way back in 2017. It's sort of been hit or miss for him and Alan Gustafson at Atlanta. Starting second is Kyle Busch. Kyle has two wins at Atlanta Motor Speedway. March of 2008, which was actually Toyota's first win in the Cup Series, and 2013. And then his two teammates, all three of his teammates, back to back to back. Denny Hamlin, who won at Atlanta in 2012. Christopher Bell has an Xfinity win here in 2019. And Martin Trex Jr., never been to Victory Lane in NASCAR, but two IROC wins at Atlanta, 2005 and 2006. And starting sixth is the guy that dominated this race back in March. Kyle Larson led over 260 laps, but we know the story. Sort of got bottled up behind Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, who's Joey Logano's teammate. He was able to take advantage and score a shocking win, to say the least. Tyler Reddick, obviously being a dirt track racer, this is a great, great opportunity for him. Kurt Busch, three wins at Atlanta Motor Speedway. The fall of 2002 and the spring races of 2009 and 2010. His teammate Ross Chastain in ninth, And Joey Logano rounding out the top 10. 11th is Chase Briscoe. But Chase is going to be without his crew chief Johnny Klossmeyer. Johnny was suspended for this race because of two loose lug nuts on the car. After Road America. And of course saw this movie back in March when <laughs> Jeremy Bollins was suspended for the race. Because of two loose lug nuts at Phoenix. And they had Grant Hutchins, the engineer, be the crew chief for Brad Keselowski. And what a disaster of a day that was. Four laps down in 28th. But to a degree, I was thinking Chase Briscoe, you know, could have been top 10 worthy. But obviously being without his crew chief, we'll just, we're just going to have to wait and see. 
Matt Benedetto in 12th, Austin Dillon 13th, and Brad Keselowski starting 14th. Two wins at Atlanta Motor Speedway. The first was in 2017. Yeah, there might have been a little luck with Kevin Harvick speeding on pit road, but nevertheless, a win's a win. But in 2019, undoubtedly one of the grittiest wins of Brad Keselowski's career, probably second, easily second behind Pocono in August of 2011 when he won there with a broken ankle. But in 2019, Brad Keselowski and his wife Paige, about Friday night or so, got really, really sick and came down with flu-like symptoms. Austin Sendrick practiced the two-car that Saturday at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Brad got in towards the end of practice just to get about 10 laps or so. And Austin was on standby that Sunday just in case Brad wasn't feeling well. But here he was with flu-like symptoms winning at Atlanta Motor Speedway, a 500-mile race at Atlanta Motor Speedway, holding off Martin Truex Jr., who was much, much faster than Brad at the end of that race. Definitely, that defines Brad Keselowski right there, just how gritty and blue-collar and determined he really is. And starting 15th, his soon-to-be ex-teammate Ryan Blaney, who won here in March. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 16th has a nationwide win at Atlanta in 2012. Alex Bowman, 17th. Alex finished third here back in March, which was amazing considering how much he had struggled at Atlanta before this year. Chris Buescher in 18th, William Byron, 19th, Eric Almirola, 20th, and 21st, the guy that we would always pick to win at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Kevin Harvick is starting in 21st. And obviously, three wins at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Who could ever forget that emotional win in March of 2001, just three weeks after Dale Earnhardt Sr. was tragically killed on the last lap of the Daytona 500. And here's Kevin Harvick in Dale's old car. Now, the paint was white instead of black. The number was 29 instead of three. But sure enough, that car that Kevin drove to victory at Atlanta, six one-thousandths of a second over Jeff Gordon, that was the car that Dale had finished second to Jerry Nadeau with in November of 2000, which sadly, obviously, would end up being Dale's last top five and top ten and the last race he would end up finishing, obviously, before that tragic wreck at Daytona in 2001. But nevertheless, Kevin holding those three fingers out the window and the two wins that he's had at Atlanta in that four car, 2018 and 2020, just seeing Kevin raise those three fingers out the window in memory of Dale Earnhardt every single time that he wins there. Because Kevin, obviously being 45 years old, he's somewhat in the twilight of his career. And he said, obviously, Atlanta is always going to be a special place. And he said that he just wanted to honor and remember Dale Earnhardt for everything that he did for the sport and the impact that he still has on the sport even 20 years after his passing. Eric Jones in 22nd. Cole Custer, 23rd, Bubba Wallace, 24th, Michael McDowell in 25th, Corey LaJoy, 26th, Daniel Suarez, 27th. Daniel was doing a hell of a job at Atlanta back in March. He was running 7th, ran inside the top 10 most of the day, and unfortunately sped on pit road the last stop of the day. Justin Moneymaker Haley in 28th, Ryan Newman in 29th, Josh Balicki, 30th, Cody Ware, 31st, Anthony Alfredo, 32nd, Bailey Curry, 33rd, Ryan Priest, all the way back in 34th, Quinn Huff, 35th, BJ McLeod in 36th, and rounding out the field is Garrett Smithley in 37th.
So when I looked ahead to tomorrow at Atlanta Motor Speedway, obviously the word that's going to stand out the most, tires. Like I said, this track is being is in the process or going to be in the process of being repaved and reprofiled. And obviously that surface, it's old, it's worn out, and you're going to be sliding all over the place. And it's going to be like you're racing on 80-grit sandpaper. And the beginning of the race and first few laps after a restart, you're going to feel like Superman on new tires. But about four or five laps in, those tires are going to be completely shot right off the bat. So obviously you've got to do a good job of managing your tires at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And obviously we're going to see so many different grooves, whether we know Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, to a degree Ross Chastain, we know those guys are going to be running right up against the very edge of that fence, just inches away from it. Then you'll have guys like Kevin Harvick. Kevin, when him and Rodney Childers, when they dominated Atlanta from 2014 to 2020, Kevin, that car would always, that left front tire would always be pinned right on the bottom of that racetrack. And to a degree, guys like Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., they're probably going to run, I would say, maybe the middle groove of that racetrack. And at times, obviously, with the way the tires were at, at Atlanta, everyone's going to be running right up against the fence at some point or another. But obviously, I don't think, I know Boone said, you know, like, Atlanta, it's boring. And, hit, you know, I know that's how he feels about it. I don't think Atlanta would be so boring if we didn't have this stupid 550 horsepower package. If it was a 750 horsepower package, obviously I know the days of 900 horsepower NASCAR. I know those days are long gone. But to a degree, I feel like this package, the 550 horsepower high downforce package, it's definitely killed the racing at Atlanta. So I think early on, I don't know how long Chase Elliott's going to be able to hold on to the lead. I mean, he wasn't even running that great in March when his engine blew up. Kyle Busch, on the other hand, Kyle ran inside the top five all day long at Atlanta. Unfortunately, he had to overcome a penalty, but still, I feel like I feel like the Gibbs Quartet, Bush, Hamlin, Truex Jr., maybe Christopher Bell. I was shocked how much Christopher struggled at Atlanta back in March. Like I said, just knowing that dirt background, how much it pays off at Atlanta Motor Speedway. But obviously, Kyle Larson... It didn't take long in that race back in March for him to get to the lead. And once he got to lead, I mean, there were, there were times in that race he had an 11-second lead, whether it was over Kyle Busch, whether it was over Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney. And I think we've come such a long way ever since then because after that race was over at Atlanta back in March, sure enough, that narrative was getting shoved down everyone's throat. Kyle Larson, he'll dominate a race, and he'll choke right at the very end. And, I mean, to some degree, I don't think that Kyle choked. I think, to a degree, maybe handling sort of went away. And, obviously, we know how Joey Logano, we know how dirty of a driver he really could be pretty much nine times out of ten out on that racetrack. And, you know, he made sure, he made sure that he was going to hold Kyle Larson up as much as he could. And sure enough, Ryan Blaney was there to pass Kyle with about 10 or 11 laps to go. So I think Kyle, I think Kyle is definitely, and I mean definitely, the guy to beat 
and my pick to go to Victory Lane tomorrow at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Now, with Ryan Blaney, ever since they won at Atlanta back in March, I just haven't seen it. They haven't really done anything. And obviously now, with all this talk about Todd Gordon retiring and having to having to start the, the process of hiring a new crew chief and everything, honestly, Team Penske as a whole, you would have to say, is probably one of the more disappointing organizations this year. I mean, obviously, we have everything going on with, with Brad Keselowski getting ready to leave at the end of 2021. I, I think that was one of the worst-kept secrets in the garage area for quite a long time. But even Joey Logano and Paul Wolf in the 22 team, like the team that you probably expected to challenge for this championship the most, they have one win on the air, and it was the Bristol Dirt Race. And Ryan Blaney, like I said, the thing with Ryan is he wins one race a year, clicks off a few top fives early on in the year, and you're thinking, man, this is going to be this is going to be like a career year for Ryan Blaney, and then just sort of fades fades into oblivion as the season goes on to a degree. So obviously, I have to go with both of the Kyles, both Captain Obvious picks for this weekend, Kyle Busch in what could be the final Xfinity race of his career at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and Kyle Larson to go to Victory Lane in the Quaker State 400 tomorrow at Atlanta. That will do it for Episode 70 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Next weekend, we're going to be previewing one of my favorite racetracks, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Have a great weekend. Y'all take it easy.